You're listening to Simpler One Earth Living from Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works with co-hosts Lee Van Ham and Jerry Iverson. Glad to have you with us for the show on solar power. Over the past century, industries have determined how we live, and fossil fuels have provided the energy these industries need. But now, those fossil-fueled industries have taken us into an ecological crisis, a crisis that becomes an emergency. People are losing livelihoods, health. Humans have now joined other species on the endangered list. We've got to find a different way, one that uses less energy that's also clean and renewable. We need to change fast. Life is rapidly becoming apocalyptic. Many congregations and nonprofits want to make these changes to clean solar energy, but face discouraging obstacles. Our guest today, Matt Brennan, VP of Sales with Collective Sun, a company that helps congregations and nonprofits switch to solar. Greetings, Lee, from Paso Robles, California, and Simple Living Works. Greetings to you, Jerry. Now that you're back from Iowa, welcome and I'm greeting you from San Diego and Jubilee One Earth Economics. Uh, apropos to this show, Juanita and I have just decided to install 10 more solar panels on our home, adding to the 15 we have. Uh, it's part of a program by which California plans to get 50% of its energy from the sun by 2025. But that's not how I met our guest today. That happened because Jubilee One Earth Economics offices in the same building with Collective Sun. The building is Christ United Methodist Ministry Center, and it includes the Collective Impact Center, which is designed for the nonprofits who office in the building to share perspective and knowledge. It's an attractive arrangement, and Jim is glad to be a partner there. And that's how I met our guest today, Matt Brennan. So, Jerry, please give us some bio about Matt. Uh, Matthew Brennan is the VP of Sales at Collective Sun, LLC. He's a solar installation expert with experience in both residential and commercial projects. In addition to being a talented entrepreneur, Matt has a strong engineering and technical background. His experience includes founding SanDiegoSolarPower.com, a solar sales and procurement company with extensive market reach. Prior to SanDiegoSolarPower.com, he worked as an industrial engineer for a network equipment manufacturer, a sales engineer for electronic equipment uh, manufacturers, and an operations manager for an industry-leading mechanical engineering magazine. Now he's brought his passion for solar power to a collective sun where Matt manages all aspects of installer relations and project development. Matthew received a Bachelor of Science degree in mechanical engineering from the University of New Hampshire. By the way, Lee, on a personal note, Rita and I have had solar panels on our home in Pass Robles for over five years, and we're delighted that they pump power into the electric grid even when we're in Iowa visiting our grandchildren. Let's go now to Lee's pre-recorded conversation with Matt Brennan. Well, I want to welcome you, Matt, to uh, the Simpler One Earth Living podcast. 
I think this is, in my way of thinking, this is a really special conversation because, you know, just, just today, the governor of Washington said, we live in permanent emergency. And so we have this fantastic weather extremes going on. More and more people are saying, yep, this is because of what's going on with the climate. Uh, the connection is getting made. And, and, and we know we have to change from the fossil fuel energies that have been driving, uh, well, have driven the, in, the industrial rise of humanity, but now, They've taken humanity right into the brink of, of great tragedy. So I, I just consider this a really important conversation. And I want uh, you just to plunge right in and tell us about, uh, you know, the, the mission of, of Collective Sun, the, organi the, the business that uh, you and others helped create some years ago. Well, thanks, Lee. Um, you know, it's been a pleasure to get to know you the past few years. Um, for the people listening, though, we work out of the same um, church, actually. We, we're, we are, you know, I work with Collective Sun. We actually are a for-profit, but we rent an office currently from a church here in San Diego. And, and I've got to know Lee over the past uh, few years. And, mm -hmm. so, and uh, thank you for, you know, inviting me. And I'm happy, to, you know, to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. So thanks again. And um you know, I, from, I agree with everything you said, and, you know, this conversation does seem timely. Um, you know, this keeps coming up, um, you know, these weather events. And thanks for the opportunity to tell you a little bit about Collective Sun. So uh, why don't I do that? And I'll keep it brief, but an overview, and we can, um, you know, talk a little bit about it. As long as it takes. <clears throat> thanks. So Collective Sun was founded in 2011, and... Our primary mission was to deploy as many solar panels as we can on nonprofits across the country. Um, and we are actively doing that. We're based in San Diego. We have about 10 employees or 10 people in the company. We uh, have um, six here in San Diego, one in San Francisco, one in um, Ohio, and a couple of folks in Germany. So that makes 10 of us. So that's grown from two in 2011 to where we are today. Um, and again, I'll give you a brief overview, but to give you the sense of scale, let's say we've done, we've worked with over 150 nonprofits across, across the country. And it's, uh, you know, about a little over $50 million worth of projects. Um, so we're proud of that. Like we want to continue to grow and to work with as many nonprofits as possible. That is our mission. And when I say nonprofits, I use that term broadly. I, I, you know, I mean tax-exempt entities, all tax-exempt organizations. And now communities of faith are our largest group of clients. Uh, we've worked with churches, mosques, synagogues, temples of different kinds. Um, and that is our largest category, but we also work with schools and municipalities really with anybody that does not have um, a tax appetite. So besides our, our mission of, you know, really focusing on nonprofits and catering to nonprofits, um, um, you know, there is a reason for that. There is a tax reason that we do what we do. 
uh, a lot of people on the call are probably familiar with you know the how solar has been incentivized through the tax code. You get a tax credit. So if you are a homeowner and you buy a solar system, you get a tax credit. If you're a business, you get a tax credit. If you're a business, you can you also get depreciation, but there is a tax benefit to doing these. Now, if you are a nonprofit of any kind, um, you know, a YMCA, again, uh, a community of faith, you don't have a tax appetite, right? You're not paying a federal income tax or a state income tax or any of those things. So that federal state, uh, I'm sorry, that federal tax credit gets left on the table. We're currently it's 26%. So if you did a million dollar system, and you bought it and you are a very large uh, community of faith, let's say you would get a $260,000 tax credit, but that would be left on the table. There's no way to really monetize that directly. So in 2011, we had, you know, this problem uh, was obvious. And so we, you know, that was the problem, but you know, how do you help nonprofits not get penalized for being nonprofits? Cause that's basically what's happening here. Um, and there are different ways that you can help take advantage of these tax credits and pass through some of the savings. Um, we have a, a particular way of doing that. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Um, so we are set, we're, we're, sol we're solving a tax problem in a lot of ways for nonprofits and we're lowering the cost of solar for them. Um, and I can talk more about that. <laughs> that's a bit, that's kind of a lot of information, but I'm happy. Yeah, no, it's great. It sounds, it sounds uh, I mean, for me, that, that sounds really exciting because you recognized an, an obstacle that nonprofit yeah. had. And then you said, oh, let's, let's create an organization, a business mm -hmm. that um, addresses this so that nonprofits uh, don't face this obstacle or at least that we can alleviate it. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead, please tell us how you alleviate this. <laughs> well, you know, just to take another step back, when we started in 2011, our model, um, we're always sol solving this tax problem, but we're also doing something a little different where we were also raising money from the communities of nonprofits. One of the first project we ever did was for a church in Brea, California. Um, wasn't a very big project. Um, they wanted to raise the money from the community of their church. They wanted to raise a loan, and then they also wanted to capture some tax credits, some of the tax benefits. So we, we helped them with the tax benefits, but we also helped them raise a loan through uh, basically a, a community loan from their nonprofit. So the, the congregations were the investors in this project. And that was an interesting project because it, um, you know, for the folks listening here, Brea, California is near LA. There's a lot of oil in that area. And Brea was, uh, had a lot of oil wells. And hundred years ago, this church was known as the, uh, I think the oil man's church was sort of the nickname. And it was founded by families that were in the oil fields. And so hundred years later, um, we raised a loan from the community of the nonprofit. And we did a, a, a nice project, a solar project, almost a hundred years later, um, they transitioned from fossil fuels to, to solar. So that was our original model, you know, going in um, and raising investments from the community. And since then, we, well, we still do that to a degree, but again, we'll go back to this tax problem. 
Um, so the way we solve that is that we have tax equity investors. We represent a tax equity fund. I'm not going to talk a ton about that, but anybody wants to Google that, you can learn more about that or reach out. So we have uh, investors that can use a tax credit and they're willing to put money into a project so that they can own the system, uh, monetize those tax credits and pass through a discount. So I think the best way to talk about this is to just give an example, mm -hmm. make it easy. Um, I'll start with a big number. I'm sure a lot of people aren't thinking mm -hmm. they need a million dollar system, right? If you're, okay. but let's use that because the math is, is straightforward mm -hmm. for everybody. Yeah. Let's say you, 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 you were installing solar, you had a big energy bill and it did require a, a $1 million system. That was a cost. Again, if for a nonprofit, there's no way to, you just, you know, there's no way to really get, get access to tax credit. So Collective Sun uh, can help. Um, we can use those tax credits and pass through a discount. And we do that through something called a solar power agreement. Uh, solar power what? Agreement. Well, in the solar power agreement, SPA. Um, we pass through at a minimum a 12% discount. So when a church or any nonprofit uh, is you know, thinking about doing this, doing a system that costs that amount of money, um, they would have to borrow or come up, up with cash reserves of $1 million, let's say for this example. So instead of doing that, we can help by monetizing tax credits, pass through a 12% discount. So now that organization is only responsible for at most 88%. Mm -hmm. So what they do is through our solar power agreement, they use that 88% that prepays a lease. That's what the solar power agreement is. It's a prepaid lease or a prepaid service contract. Prepays it for 20 years and then they're done. They've borrowed 88%, they prepay at least for 20 years. We pay the last 12% to the contractor and then we own, operate and maintain the system. It becomes our responsibility. Question, Matt. Um... Where, where would the nonprofit get the 88%? When I, when I throw out a number like a million dollars, it can seem like a large amount of money. So a lot of these projects, we do projects all the way down to $150,000 okay. typically. Now, when you're looking to borrow that 88%, um, there are lots of ways to do that. And we've helped a lot of nonprofits find that, uh, those funds. Uh, we have mission-aligned investors or mission-aligned lenders, I should say, that are interested in loaning that 88%, that, that balance that they need. They're mission-aligned uh, lenders. We have uh, organizations or lenders that will do C-PACE loans. They're called commercial PACE loans. Uh, some of you may be familiar with those. They're, they will do these projects. And then we also have a relationship with traditional lenders, um, that are that will lend on these projects as well. So there are lots of options to fund these projects. My uh, my sense was from not a thorough study of your website, but from what I did see there that that uh, you try to create options so that that nonprofits do not have to go to like a major bank to get their funding. Is that yeah, we well we generally go to the lowest cost of capital. If we get, you know, if we have a traditional lender with low cost of capital and it's in the best interest of the nonprofit, then, you know, they get to decide where, where they borrow the money from. We, we just make introductions. Okay. 
Um, we don't earn any fees on, you know, on the, on the loan or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We, we just make introductions. Uh, and, you know, a key part of this is that because we own the system, we're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. We're owner of the system. Now, again, I, I mentioned this 20 year time period mm-hmm. where, you know, there's 88% that the, the nonprofit is funding that's prepaying a lease for 20 years and we have to own it. Um, we have a production guarantee in those things, but we also have an early termination at the end of the sixth year where the nonprofit can get ownership back. Uh, you know, they can get ownership of the system at the end of the sixth year at no cost. So at a minimum, they get a 12% discount because we're monetizing tax credits. At the end of the sixth year, they have an option to own the system outright um, at no cost. And they get to choose who the installer is. And if they want to borrow money, we obviously make introductions for that. Um, but you know, they are, they're free to choose on that, on that front. And under all circumstances, they would own the system outright after, after the lease expires. Well, the way it's structured is as a, again, a 20 year lease where they have the right at the end of the six year that they can elect. Um, to own the system after the six, at the end of the sixth year, which um, from what they tell me, most will, they, they, that's what they want to do. Uh, they want to own the system. They like being the second owner. We're the first, I mean, you know, essentially we're the first owner and we're responsible for everything for the first six years while the tax credits are being, uh, you know, fully monetized. And most nonprofits seem to want to own the system. If they could own it on day one, they would. Mm-hmm. That's my observation doing this for a while, but they don't mind being the second owner at the end of the mm-hmm. sixth year. Yeah, so going back to what you said earlier, you have uh, facilitated 150 different nonprofits? Yeah, a bit over that. And you know, we've learned a bit from when we yeah. uh, introduced this solar power agreement about four years ago or so is when we really started doing mm-hmm. this solar power agreement that I mentioned. Um, and, you know, a lot of nonprofits, we talk about communities of faith a little bit because that's, um, there are some special considerations, I think, with those kinds of projects because a lot of times th- there are volunteers that are uh, championing these projects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some other nonprofits that aren't community of faith, you know, they have a, fa- a lot of times they have facilities managers, they may have a project manager, they have staff that are used to doing these kinds of things. But when you're dealing with a church, a synagogue, a, you know, a mosque, a temple, or some, something like that, a lot of times it's just you know, volunteers. Mm-hmm. This is the only project they're going to do. So we have uh, you know, learned over time to really um, offer resources when mm-hmm. needed because they do need some help along the way. So if they need introductions to contractors, we can help. You know, we can make introductions to contractors that we have done business with or that we know um, you know, have a good reputation in the industry. And we can help sanity check um, numbers because it'll, you know, it does come down to how compelling the economics are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a big movement um, you know, for community of faith to go green, but they do want this to be 
a compelling uh, financial transaction too. So if they do borrow money to do this project, they want that loan repayment to be less than their bill. So they're saving money, their electric bill. Mm -hmm. We can help with that. So with Communities of Faith, we really do um, you know, offer as many resources as they need mm-hmm. to help. What, 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 uh, what has driven you personally to move into this kind of thing? What have been the influences that made this kind of a, a business um, attractive to you that you really wanted to step into this situation? Well, a number of things. One, um, you know, my background is in engineering. Mm-hmm. And there's a technical aspect to this that I enjoy, you know. And maybe not, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you might not agree, but I try to make things simple for people that aren't, you know, <laughs> that are new to this. And it can get a little tricky with when you talk talking about tax credits and things like that. Um, but, you know, we certainly do our best to simplify that and make it easy for people to understand. Um, because when people hear things like tax equity, they, you know, instantly, you know, eyes gloss over and that kind of thing. But also, but on the technical side of solar, um, you know, I, I love that part of it. Uh, so that's satisfied, you know, part of, you know, why, you know, part of me, why I want to do this. But also I want to feel really good about, um, you know, what I do for work, you know, and this is a, you know, I believe, you know, I believe in renewables. I believe in getting off of fossil fuels as fastly and as responsibly as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a, you know, doing a little over 150 projects. It's a small, um, the moment, you know, a small piece of the solution, sure. but I do feel like it's really making a difference. And, you know, over the years we, fo- we formed a good team, we're doing good work. And it's, it's a, I feel good about it, you know. And I'm intrigued that you, you have a couple of team members now in Germany. I mean, that, you said all across the country, but you went all across the country and then across the ocean. Yeah. Well, they split their time uh, up until recently uh, because of COVID between here and California. So oh. they spent a good amount of time in California. Um, and they actually, they have, um, you know, residents here in San Francisco. Um, but we started working with a group um, that was based a small group that was based in, in uh, based in Germany and San Francisco, and they specialized in this tax equity investment that I, I uh, uh, mentioned earlier. So, Collective Sun in a company called Sunforce Solutions, um, we for, formed a, a joint venture a couple of years ago. The branding didn't change; it's still Collective Sun, but um, that doubled the, actually doubled the team. And then we've added people since. Um, so that's how we came. That's how this is. That's why we had this, this connection with Germany. And they've been doing this work um, as long as we have um, and specializing in doing these kinds of investments. So that was a good match for us. And they liked what we were doing with the focus on nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that just brings a smile to my face. It's just interesting how these things uh these things can work. Um, I, I, I'm just curious. I, I have seen you in the context of um, faith events a time or two. Yep. And, uh, is that a factor at all in 
why you like to work with the nonprofits uh, or the faith communities, or is it is it more more the engineering thing? No, I mean it's not. I, I you know I don't dive so much into the engineering side at all. I mean it does satisfy the technical side of me, but I do love working with nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know I've learned a lot. Um, you know, by working with nonprofits, I, I've learned a lot about community. Mm. You, know, you know, seeing people really, you know, volunteer their time and be be part of something like this um, has been rewarding. So that's, so I, I have really um, enjoyed it. And it, it's just, I, I like the, sort of like the energy of it, you know? like being a part of it. And again, like I said earlier, I, I want to be part of something I believed in. Mm-hmm. You know, I work in sales. This does not feel like a sale. Mm. Oh, this is not, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're really, you're really uh, I mean, if, if I'm a volunteer and I'm just trying to push my nonprofit to um, eco-consciousness uh, and, and that, that there's a group of us working on, toward that and then uh, we want to, uh, among the things we want to do is, is a solar installation. Uh, to meet up with someone like you would be just like, wow, this is, this is such, a, such a treat because he focuses in the kind of stuff that we want to do. And, and um, so I, I would think that, that that would bring a lot of energy and jo- joyful energy to both sides, I would think. I, I mean, certainly for us, it does. I, and, you know, I, I th- hope they feel the same way. I mean, I, I think in most cases they do, yeah. you know, they like working with us and, you know, it feels like we're coming together to, to do something, you know, together. Um, Having spent 30 years as a pastor myself, I would think, yeah, if I could, if I wanted to do this kind of thing and met with, uh, I wouldn't know that someone like you existed, you know, uh, I would be looking, thinking about where we could go. And then if I came across you, I would think, wow, this is obviously the way to go. And it would be exciting. I, yeah. <clears throat> that, that's the response we hope for, right? We want people, we, we do want people to be excited to work with us. Sure. And they find out through word of mouth, um, you know, we work with a lot of contractors, solar contractors mm-hmm. and developers who are working with nonprofits. And mm-hmm. so they will recommend us on projects. That's a big part of what we do. Um, and, you know, people do find us through the web and through Google. They're looking for, you know, nonprofit solar financing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we do get quite a few inquiries from that as well. Uh, but we've been at it for a bit and doing things like this really helps. Um, we've been really active this year doing webinars. We've done one every month this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue that through the end of the year. And that adds up. You know, we just did a we just did one uh, recently for a church in um, Massachusetts, and Massachusetts has this arrangement which a lot of states do not, where if you produce extra energy, or even if it's not even extra energy, you can choose to take a portion of that energy and send it to somebody else. Mm. You know, it's like a um, shared solar type model and. It's new, um, and it seems to be a fairly straightforward uh, process for signing up. And we were involved doing our our discount, so the installation costs less than it would have. But in any event, this 
church uh, is sending some of the energy to a mosque that isn't far from it. So some of the energy from church goes to the mosque. And then the church charges that mosque at a, uh, they give them a, you know, they get a discount on the energy, but the, the extra energy is going there. Um, and that's a great project. You know, I think it's a first of, first of the kind in a company wow. called Resident Energy, who does some great work in Massachusetts, um, uh, developed that project and brought us in and, and we did our discount. And now we own that system. Um, have identified a number of obstacles as we've gone along. One of them I, I'm thinking is this this project in Massachusetts uh, really addresses that. And that is, so you, you have surplus energy and do you just you know feed it back to the grid? Uh, it would be terrific to be able to share it. Uh, what are some of the other obstacles? Of course, you, you've mentioned the obstacle of finance and having to overcome that. Um, are, uh, are other suppliers, I'm thinking especially of utility companies, are they obstacles or are they, are they uh, allies in, in this? Some are and some aren't. I mean, California, um, I believe is pretty good, but there is a looming change to the policy in California that the utility is trying to push through, which is not um, favorable at all um, to solar. And there, you know, it would really um, put a halt on things. So uh, right now the situation is very good in California, but again, there is policy to change that. And there's a pretty strong, um, you know, lobby here that's pushing back. And this has happened before, you know, with utilities, you know, things are up for renewal and they, they change the net metering policy. So we're keeping a close eye on that. Uh, but California at the moment is really good. The coast, you know, the East and West coast seems to have some pretty good utilities that are solar friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, middle of the country, um, there are some organizations some utilities that won't allow companies like us to operate. It's mm. sort of an obstacle um, in some parts of the country where the utility, you know, has a monopoly on the on the grid, and they won't allow someone like us to. What we're doing is sort of a lease, third party ownership, mm -hmm. um, and third party ownership. For those on the call, you know, it's leases and power purchase agreements, and utilities don't always allow those. So if you are in a small utility or like a muni, well, municipalities have their own utility, we always have to check first. You know, we have resources to check with the utility and talk with them and let them know that we're involved in the transaction and make sure that um, everything um, you know, is in line with their policy. So we always double check first. Matt, one of the things I've heard utility companies use, I, I don't know, there may be other things is say, well, if you generate your own electricity, um, there still has to be a grid to support you. And, and so we have to charge you uh, to maintain the grid or so something like that, as I understand it. I, I never know if to put much stock in that argument or not. Um, I can understand we have to have a grid, I guess, of some kind. But uh, unless you go totally off the grid, which you, uh, a lot of us aren't ready to do, is, can you shed any light on that? Yeah, that, that is there. Um, that's how they justify, you know, these added expenses 
or just not having favorable solar um, policy. Uh, give an example, uh, you know, I just looked at a project in Tennessee where at any moment, if you, if one were to overproduce energy, let's say it's the middle of the day, the sun is shining, you have a nice solar system on your roof and you t nobody's occupying the building. You could put energy back into the grid. Mm -hmm. That's right. They, they say you're putting energy back in the grid, but in Tennessee, the rate they credit you at is like a extremely low wholesale rate, you know, where in California, when you put money into the grid at the moment, you get a retail rate. Mm. Depends on what time of day and all those kinds of things, but it's a retail rate. It's a nice net energy metering arrangement. NEM is what it's called. Same thing in Massachusetts, same thing in lots of, um, you know, throughout the country in the utilities, you have that favorable uh, net energy metering, metering policy. And that's what, you know, outside of the tax credit, you really do need favorable policy with the utility to make this work. Uh -huh. So we don't see projects in certain parts of the US. Uh -huh. Because the, you know, the, the economics are so constrained because of unfavorable um, policy. Yeah, so, um... I, I, I'm just so disappointed. I, 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 would, I, I wish we could have utility companies that with the, the vision that says, okay, we know where we have to go to really help our, our world be, be operating on sustainable energy and let's be leaders in that. And instead, I feel like they are, are kind of a drag on that whole effort. Um, so I'm really disappointed around that. But um, uh, again, not to not to dwell there. I I, I want to just end when we need to end here shortly. But I just want to end on this. I, I you know, the, the language of creation care comes up a lot. I think it, it seems to me whatever language it, it, that creation care isn't particularly my favorite language, but uh, I understand what's being talked about and 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 um, and uh, I'm 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 glad pretty much for any language that gets used if it really means that people are moving in the direction of uh, sort of a creation-based uh, way of thinking and um, that they're really uh, wanting to invest time and energy and, and money in uh, caring about uh, our natural world. Because uh, after all, our natural world sort of cares a whole lot about us. So, um, is this helping, uh, do you sense that more and more people are doing this and, and turning to things like solar uh, because of that kind of maybe theological shift or stewardship shift? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do see that. I, I certainly observe that. We don't, or I particularly don't preach that that often because it really, um, you know, it seems when it comes from the community itself that that's their reason for doing it. Right. Because I we don't want, even though we compl I completely believe in it, uh, being you know, good stewards of the environment. Um, but we don't want to be seen as greenwashing, right? Which okay. is saying, well, you know, green energy, energy cost kind of thing. Let's do it because it's good for the you know, it's just good for the planet, which is true. Mm -hmm. But a lot of pe people, I think, a lot of our clients also see us as really we're helping with the financing side. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination, but I do think um, creation care is 
very much gaining traction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a real thing and people are really talking about it and feel good about it. And, um, you know, I support it hundred percent, but I am curious, do you have another term? Well, I tell, you, I tell you what concerns me about creation care. Okay. Uh, it, I don't want, want to be too picky about this, but um, we're, we're in, we've been so patterned to think that, you know, uh, human beings are, are the agency mm. of caring for creation. And instead, I, and we're sort of outside of creation, taking care of it. And I'm so interested in that human beings relocate ourselves into into nature itself which we are and and it's a an illusion to separate ourselves out of it uh so i want to i want to see us more in a place of acknowledging that creation is caring about us and we're caring about creation because we're all interdependent you know in this relationship of how creation works so uh like I say, that that I, I don't need to go into that kind of thing when people are, are uh, doing the right thing with creation care, but that's why I, I have uh, some hesitancy with it. Um, two-way street. What's that? It's a two-way street. Yeah. What it, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, listen, I, we're, we're about to uh, used up our time here, but... Um, Matt, this, I think, has been very helpful. If people hear this and want to get in touch with you, uh, we can certainly put uh, your website in our show notes. Uh, do you have any suggestion on how people contact you? Um, it'd be helpful. Sure. I mean, if, if Lee, you provided uh, my contact information in the show notes, I think that would be very easy um, for people to get a hold of me. And uh, also through the website, Collective Sun. Dot com and that's collective sun sun dot com. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. you've you've really I think shown us a a business model, uh, one that is addressing such a critical issue of our time, and um, you've just given us good examples of what you're doing, and we get a feel for your values. What a treat! Thank you, Lee. I really enjoyed it. It's nice to see you here on this Zoom call that we're recording. So I hope to see you in person soon. I That would be really good. I think, uh, you know, it's back to the collective impact center. That's which, right. What's that? There we go. Collective impact center in San Diego. And, and that's what you and, and Lee started really, didn't you? I moved a lot of furniture. <laughs> Having furniture in here. Well, this—I mean, as I understand the idea, it's it's a chance for a lot of nonprofits to um, be in a collective where there can be a good exchange of energy and uh, sharing of ideas when it works ideally. And of course, with COVID, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, obstacle to that. But I think uh, I hope soon we'll be doing more of it uh, again in person. And I think a lot of that was happening before COVID. Is that your sense of it? Yes, um, absolutely. And people are starting to come back. Um, There's a little community shared space um, where people can, you know, they can rent a desk. Um, You know, it's not a dedicated space and they have dedicated offices for, um, you know, nonprofits and people are coming back. So we're seeing more and more faces. It's nice. 
you're in San Diego and you're a little nonprofit, you might want to check into the Collective Impact Center too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I recommend it. All right. Thank you again, Matt. Bye, Lee. You've been listening to Lee's conversation with Matt Brennan on how your congregation and nonprofit organizations can get clean solar energy. Have you listened to our other recent episodes? In April, arborist Robin Rivet on reversing climate crises through informed tree actions. In May, Nettie Astudillo on adding environment actions to our spiritual practices. In June, Carrie Radloff on Midwest environmental activism. Do listen. You're sure to pick up thoughts you'll value. We certainly did as we created those episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast under the name Simple Living Works at your favorite podcast service. Individual episodes are available at Jubilee's site, oneearthjubilee.com, and also simplelivingworks.org, window number three. Urge your friends to do the same. You're welcome to subscribe to Simple Living Works' various free publications for our monthly e-news. Send subscribe to simplelivingworks at yahoo.com for our weekly email that provides brief daily simpler living nudges. Send nudge to the same address, simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. Please tell us your thoughts on the subjects in this episode. Leave a message on the Jubilee, One Earth Economics, and Simple Living Works Facebook pages. Until next time, this is Jerry Iverson of Simple Living Works with Lee Van Ham of uh, Jubilee, One Earth Economics, wishing you well as we strive together to bring simpler One Earth living into being for the common good. Simply live, learn to live simply so others can live.